the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California bar-admitted attorney and also a bankruptcy law certified specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. So in addition to my JD, I also hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am a master of the laws of taxation law, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Now, both of these master's degrees in law were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, which is located in the beautiful downtown San Francisco. Now, because of my training, my experience, my interests, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and, of course, taxation law. And I'm also proud to say that sometimes, as part of my practice, I have an opportunity to seek out and attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the victims of the various forms of financial elder abuse that's running rampant in our country today. I am, as always, so pleased to be able to come to you again today from the beautiful KFAX studios in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, as always, I must also once again say that I must have you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully to provide you with at least an outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional legal, or financial help. I do this because, as I'm known for saying, representing yourself in a legal matter, uh, especially one dealing with your finances, is just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. And if you take a butter knife to a gunfight, you'll be lucky if you can get real, real close to your adversary. As such, you might be able to scratch her on the arm or even poke her in the eye, but more than likely, you're going to be dead on arrival. That is to say, your valid claims and your righteous defenses will likely see the promised land way before you do. 
So once again, I must share with you the purpose of Selwyn's Law here on KFAX, just in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and unfortunately, more than likely, the lack thereof and your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect your families or your businesses financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being, as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening forum. So today I'm going to hit the pause button on our discussion that we started last time on the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and how it was designed to help financial service industry consumers and the legal battle for its very existence that it's facing today. Uh, Instead, I want to focus on a topic that is a concern for all of us, and I'm talking about the spread of the coronavirus, Uh, but I'm going to focus on its potential economic and legal implications for the small to medium-sized business owner. Now, first off, some background material. As reported in Thursday, February 27th edition of the Los Angeles Times, On Tuesday, that is to say February 25th, 2020, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention warned that the spread of the coronavirus within the United States communities was probably inevitable, with the CDC's director saying that it was not so much a question of if, but a question of when. That when may have arrived just a day later. That's because on Wednesday... February the 26th, the CDC confirmed its investigation of what it considered to be the first instance of community spread of the virus in the United States after a California resident is being treated at UC Davis Medical Center tested positive for the virus. So what does community spread mean? Uh, According to those in the know, Community spread, that is to say the CDC, refers to the spread of an illness for which the source of the infection is unknown. All of the other known uh, virus cases in the U.S., that is to say the coronavirus cases in the U.S., have involved individuals who either recently traveled out of the country or had contact with someone who did. But this new California case, Northern California, where we all live, a patient had not recently traveled out of the country, nor could public health workers identify any prior contact between the patient and people who had traveled to China or the other areas where the virus is widespread. It's not clear how the person became infected, and the CDC said it's still possible that they may have been exposed to a return traveler who was infected. But it's also possible that this case represents the first instance of community spread in the United States, which would signal, signal more challenges ahead for public health officials. It is the first signal that we could be having a silent transmission in the community that according to Lawrence Ghostin, who's the director of the World Health Organization Collaborating Center on National and Global Health Issues. That's what he told the Los Angeles Times. It probably means that there may be many more cases out there, and it probably means this individual has infected others, and now it's a race to try to find out who that person has infected. So 
I'm not about um, spreading doom and gloom. I'm about being prepared because I was not only a brownie as a little girl, I was a Girl Scout. And our motto was be prepared. So I'm going to leave treatment and diagnosis to medical professionals. But I want to talk to you as a small business owner, what some things that you need to consider. Now, do you have a crisis management plan in place in your business? Uh, Have you determined how you will handle the workplace considerations of your employees as a result of this potential community spread? And do you know what remedies and defenses there are out there to protect the financial viability of your business if you can't meet your contractual obligations due to an interruption in the supply chain caused by the spread of the virus? Before we get into that, I want to talk just briefly about the stock market decline that's gone on this week. Just please note this. The stock market is a place to invest in businesses with excellent long-term economic viability and potential for growth. Its target investors are folks with long-term return horizons, say at least 10 or more years before the invested assets and their gains are needed to, say, send your child to college, make a down payment on your home, or to fund your own retirement. So, say, if you need the funds within the next few years, the stock market might not be the best place for your investments, period. And you should never have all of your investment in one asset class, especially the stock market. You need a portfolio. It includes real estate, bonds, that is to say the debt of others, some cash, and maybe some other type of investment, say your business. But if your long-term horizon is 20 years or more out, you should know that this crisis too shall pass, or at least it's going to morph into something different, okay? And so I'd say, people, we shouldn't panic, and we should just try to chill out, as, it, as the young folks say about this. You know, just ride the wave. Anyway, that's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. So let's get into today's topic, Okay. I want to, again, focus on what it is that you need to consider as we all face this virus together. Do you have a crisis management plan in place? Have you determined how you're going to deal with your employees? And what defenses are there if you find yourself unable to fulfill your obligation, your side of the contract, due to an interruption in your supply chain? So in an article, let's, let's focus on the crisis management plan. In an article published on the legal blog Lexology on February 25th of this year, written by Catherine Dudley Helms of the law firm of Ogletree, Ms. Helms believes that employers need to consider several preventive steps now that the virus is spreading. She says, while the coral virus is not declared an an epidemic here. It is a pandemic. It's not an, a pandemic. It is an epidemic in China, and it's begun to spread to other countries. It may become a pandemic. Many employers have dusted off their pandemic policies and updated them from the days when there was the Zika virus, there was Ebola, and the like. In doing so, companies are reviewing any possible exceptions to 
their attendance policies, determining in advance whether time off will be paid or unpaid. Companies are beginning to be proactive in educating their employees and promoting only the preventative measures that the Center for Disease Control recommends. That is to say, having us wash our hands with warm water and soap or use uh, alcoholic-based sanitizers. So when we come back on the other side, we're going to continue our discussion of the coronavirus and what employers and businesses need to consider. Stay tuned. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion of today's topic, the potential economic and legal implications for small business owners in the wake of the spread of the coronavirus. But I'm going to focus on the potential economic and legal implications for the small to medium-sized business owner. So again, I'm going to talk about three major issues. Do you have a crisis management plan in place for your business? Two, have you determined how you're going to handle workplace considerations for your employees? And three, do you know what your remedies and defenses are in case you run into trouble by not being able to fulfill your side of a contract because your supply chain was interrupted? So again... I had started sharing with you uh, an article that had was published on a legal blog that I ac- have access to on February 25th, uh, uh, and it's also on the law firm's uh, website. Ogletree's law firm is the law firm's website I'm talking about. It was written by one of their attorneys, Catherine Dudley Helms. Now, she says that small businesses and medium-sized business and large business need to take some pre- proactive steps to educate their employees, do long-term planning for the business, and figure out how they're going to maintain their economic viability in case something happens. She suggests that folks dust off their pandemic policies and update them. And there are businesses that were uh, impacted by the Zika and Ebola virus that we had uh, had in the past several years. And she suggests that companies be proactive in educating their employees and, empl- and promoting the only preventive measures of which the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, also known as the CDC, has advised. And that is to say that everyone needs to wash their hands frequently with warm soap and water, or if not available, use an alcohol-based sanitizers. One needs to cough and sneeze into your elbow and not expose those uh, droplets to the air, stay away from people who are sick. Companies also need to make decisions about when to ask their employees to stay home from work and have them work from home if they've recently traveled to one of the specific areas where there's the possibility that they might have been infected. And finally, companies need to pay attention to any signal that they might be discriminating or being hostile towards their employees of Chinese or Asian ancestry. So to the extent possible, uh, you you need to make sure that that's not going on in your uh, company because in addition to having 
this virus possibly uh, shuts you down, um, you might be finding yourself on the wrong end of a discrimination lawsuit. Now, the second issue, that is to say, how do, what further things do you need to consider with dealing with your employees? Now, companies may face, uh, and, and this is from um, the law firm Vartram, uh, and, and they uh, published it on their website on February 25th, 2020. And uh, Vartam is advising its clients that companies may face important labor and employment considerations as a result of this viral outbreak, particularly major disruptions in the cyber Uh, supply chain resulting from the virus may require employers to temporarily lay off employees in sequences that were not contemplated by any collective bargaining agreement in order to retain the maybe a subset of skilled labor necessary to continue the operation of the business that's not impacted by the supply chain shortage. Additionally, companies may face uh, employee tra- travel concerns related to the virus, where the virus is causing either of these concerns, companies must carefully consider their legal options. So if a company employs a unionized labor force is in anticipating laying off some of their employees due to a supply chain shortage, it should look to the collective bargaining agreement first for options to implement the layoffs. Depending on the content of that bargaining agreement, the company might have different options for dealing with this. If the collective bargaining agreement contains a force majeure, that means a force of God provision, such a provision may permit the employee to take unilateral measures that would otherwise require bargaining. If the collective bargaining agreement does not contain a force majeure provision, the National Labor Relations Board's narrow economic extensions exception may provide some relief. Now, um, they go on to say, notably, employers contemplating layoffs must also evaluate their obligations to provide notice to their employers under what is known as the WARN Act, and that is the Workers Adjustment and Retraining Notification Act. So if you have a certain size uh, employee base, you have to give so many days notice. And if you don't uh, give those notices, you might find yourself uh, in, in deep trouble. I'll just put it that way. Okay, companies and company employees may also face concerns over their employees' travel. And so you really need to focus on what the State Department is advising and offering uh alternate travel uh, arrangements to your employees, or you might want to consider having a quarantine period for your employees who are coming back from foreign travel. This is what you might consider to keep your company afloat and maintain good relationships with your employees. And finally, I want to share briefly um, uh, from Vartam again Uh, What are the affirmative defenses you may seek out if you cannot meet your obligations under a contract due to disruption of your supply chain and one of your customers or your uh, relationship partners sue you? Uh, For example, 
you get uh, uh, subcomponents uh, of the product that you sell to uh, your clients under contract from, say, China or Italy, and um, they can't deliver the product because um, in, in especially China, they've shut down uh, a, a large lot of the businesses. And say you have a contract with the U.S. government or, or a major corporation here in the United States, and they're depending on uh, your product. Maybe your contract with them even says that. Uh, but you can't get the product. So, so what are you going to do? Well, according to Vortum LLP, as industry concerns have arisen from those buying goods or component parts from the Chinese market, Specifically, when supply chains are interrupted and inventory is short, companies relying on goods supplied from China are wondering where to turn as they face production limitations or, in some cases, line shutdowns impacting their downstream commerce. That is to say, you're getting upstream from China that you sell downstream to company XYZ who needs those products in order for it to make what it needs to stay in business. Now, where companies face these concerns brought about by supply shortages and remedies are required, companies must look first to the language of their supply agreements. So that's the contract that you have with the entity in China, as well as the contract that you have with the downstream business that you sell to. First, where a supply agreement contains a force majeure, so Force majeure, that's the word for today. It means an act of God. The contract language may itself provide options and legal remedies when the production and sale of one goods becomes commercially impracticable. That's also a legal term. Or in some cases, impossible. That's also a legal term. Specifically, the invocation of such provisions may permit adjustments to the contract's Primary terms including delivery, delivery dates, quantity terms, and in rare situations, the price may even come into play. These force majeure provisions allow contracting parties the opportunity to address supply disruptions where unexpected circumstances prevent a party from performing. Should you find yourself in a position where Supply is short and your contract contains a force majeure provision. It may be time to give the other side, the partner, the downstream partner, notice because that's likely a provision. Now, even absent a force majeure provision, legal protection may still be available that will excuse non-performance due to commercial impracticability, and these are uniform commercial code terms. And so you first look to the contract. If it's not in there, then the uniform, uh, the uniform commercial code might have some protection. A party seeking a baseline protection from the party's non-performance where performance as guaranteed is made impracticable by the occurrence of a contingency, the non-occurrence of which was the basic assumption of the contract when it's made may be able to uh, be foregone. Put differently, a seller is excused where its performance is commercially impracticable because of unforeseen 
supervening circumstances not within the contemplation of the parties when they entered into the contract. Now, there's going to be burdens of proof, reasonable notice. All of this stuff comes into play. However, if you find yourself in a position where it's difficult to maintain inventory or produce parts due to a lack of supply chain from China, you want to look first to the contract, then to the UCC, and see if there's a way to protect yourself. Now, with that said, I'm going to leave it there for now. But as always in closing, I like to say here at Selwyn's Law and KFAX, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, especially if we want to keep our businesses afloat and take care of our employees during this health crisis. So till next time, take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. 